Welcome to the Doctrine Matters Podcast, where we seek to equip the church to understand and live out its faith. I'm your host, Stephen Dew. I'm the preaching pastor at South Caraway Baptist Church in Jonesboro, Arkansas. We want to thank you for joining us today, and let's get right to today's episode. How about that little girl right there, Solideo Gloria? That is my five-year-old daughter now. I forgot how old she was, but she's five years old. I think she may have been just turned four when she recorded that for me. May have been at the end of her three-year-old year, but either way, that's Caroline, my daughter, with a little glory to God alone in Latin. Of course, one of the five pillars of the Reformation as we know it. So, I wasn't planning on doing anything like this. I was actually, if you were listening to the last episode or watched the last episode, you know that we were doing a segment and still doing a segment called Sound the Alarm, where we're looking at false teachers and kind of dissecting some of their preaching, some of their things that they've said and some of the things that they're doing. And we want to really use the Word of God to line up what they're saying and if what they're saying is accurate. And I had no intention of coming on and doing this at this point in time, we were actually fixing her. I was actually fixing to do Jesse Duplantis as we were going to dissect a sermon of his. But this is something that is new that has come up. And this is something I wanted to get out there to show you that this is not real. This is not right. And this is a far cry from what the Bible teaches. One of the things that we're going to be talking about tonight is a physical manifestation in someone's life, a a Jesus physically manifesting himself in someone's life, coming into the room with them and doing whatever, right? So we're going to hear this woman's testimony, and her name is Jenna Winston. Now, this episode is going to be a two-part reasoning for doing it. Number one, we need to be clear that Bethel Church is not a true church of Jesus Christ. They are doing things that are against the Word of God. They do not line up with the Word of God, and we can get into that later in our Sound the Alarm segments. But this Jenna Winston woman, she is a pastor, and I'm going to do air quotes for you that aren't watching, but I'm going to do them on the video for you you that are. She is a pastor under Bill Johnson there at Bethel. And this is going to be the the first part we're going to see is we're just going to see what she says happened. It's really unbiblical. But the second thing I want to talk to you about tonight, briefly, is we need to stop singing Bethel songs in our churches. Bethel, Jesus culture, it goes over in Hillsong, Elevation, all of those things. But certainly we need to stop singing Bethel and Hillsong, I'm sorry, Bethel and Jesus culture songs, and yes, Hillsong as well. But Bethel, Jesus culture for sure have got to get out of biblical churches. And we'll talk about that because the things they do in their church are not biblical Many of the things that they promote, many of the things that they say are not biblical. Number one, women, according to the Bible, should not be pastors, should not be elders in the church. We can talk about that at some other time, but just know that the Bible teaches that that office is held for men, yet Jenna Winston is an ordained pastor in Bill Johnson's church at Bethel. So she has come on and done an interview Uh, with someone named Diane Anil, I guess is maybe how you say that. I'm not sure. We're going to listen to a part of this, and I'm going to kind of dissect this and break it down a little bit as we go forward. But what we hear here is very troubling as 
first of all, her salvation story. This woman, she's right in the middle of her testimony, and we're going to listen to some of this, and then we're going to listen to the part where, really, she gets into her salvation story and then what happens after that. So, first of all, we got one thing. Women should not be pastors, according to the Word of God. Second of all, we have this woman pastor here giving her testimony that is going to be all sorts of crazy. And just to say that she's been in the psych ward 19 times. I think we're going to hear a part of that on here. Uh, she was addicted to pills. She was, we're fixing to hear her open up talking about being addicted to methadone and being a, just a junkie, so to speak, and ending up in a spot. Well, we'll just listen. So just keep in mind, this is a pastor uh, at Bethel Church in Redding, California, under Bill Johnson. Let's just pick up with this and listen. Jenna Winston tell her testimony, and I will make some commentary along the way. And listen, as I said last time, I am no better than anyone, anyone, and never want to be or come across that way. We just want to be biblical in all that we do. And I know there are a lot of people out there that in, that enjoy Bethel music. There's a lot of people out there that it, that listen to the teaching from Bethel. But we really just got to sound the alarm on these things. And when I see something like this, it really needs to go forth, and it really needs to get out there to know what we're dealing with and what is being said in the name of Christ and in the name of God. And this is very, very troubling to me. And if you're a true believer, should be troubling to you as well. Let's uh, let's just pick up here and, and listen to what Miss Jenna Winston has to say. It all came like the last three years, I was literally on the streets on methadone. And, you know, when you see those people in, you know, downtown that are, you know, dirty and yelling at cars going by and hitting the air in themselves, I was one of those people. Like I was so far gone. By that time, I had been in the psych ward 19 times. That's all on my medical records. I had been diagnosed with, um, schizophrenia, uh, PTSD, uh, bipolar. I was on 11 different medications. I was on everything and had been for over, you know, well over a decade. And then I just was done. I, I just, I didn't know that life could be better. I didn't even know. I never knew anything but just pain. And at this point, you know, I wasn't with my husband. My kids hated me. I'd burnt every bridge of everyone I knew. And I decided to take my life. And they ended up pumping 87 Oxycontin out of my stomach. And in the middle of the night, this nurse who I'm still friends with, I love her dearly. This nurse walks in my room and she closes the door behind her and she kind of looks like this. And she's like, I'm not supposed to do this, but God's been telling me for two hours to tell you that he loves you. And if you look up, he's going to pull you out of this. And I this is a, a problem already that she said God's been telling her this is the nurse that comes into her room God's been telling me for two hours that I need to come tell you that he loves you and if you look up he will pull you out of this out of this addiction out of this uh, overdose type thing 80 something oxycontins they pumped out of her that's crazy she is definitely not in a good spot here but this nurse breaks protocol so to speak and she comes in and says that God told me and let me just say this for all of you. This is why we sound the alarm, why we should be sounding the alarm. If anybody comes to you and says, I have a word from God for you, or God has been telling me to tell you, your first response should be, 
Where is it in the Bible? What chapter and verse are we going to? Because God has spoken in his word. And let me just read this to you. Let me get over to Hebrews chapter 1. And I think Hebrews chapter 1 gives us a, a really good understanding of, of uh, uh, who, how God speaks to us today, uh, just as he does every day, just as he did when this lady was telling her that God told her to tell her something. Hebrews chapter 1, verse 1, as a matter of fact, is, is what we'll look at here. It says, God, after he spoke long ago, the fathers and the prophets in many portions and in many ways... Of course, we know in the Old Testament he spoke through prophets. He even used dreams, utilized different things to speak in the Old Testament, primarily prophets. But now, verse 2, in these last days has spoken to us in his Son, whom he appointed heir of all things, through whom also he made the world. So we see that the Bible says he has spoken through his Son. Now, if we were to flip over to John chapter 1 and... Look at this very carefully. We will see something that would just kind of blow a lot of people's minds, but you have to believe the Word of God is true to believe this. John chapter 1, verse 1 says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things came into being through him, and apart from him nothing came into being that has come into being. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness did not comprehend it. We're talking about the Son, Jesus, being the Word. So in these last days, God speaks through his Word and his Word only. Can the Holy Spirit prompt someone or nudge someone to uh, have uh, a conversation with somebody? Yes, but every conversation must go back to the Word of God because this is the only way he speaks to his people these days. And... If you don't believe me, we have to wrestle with the Word of God. Therefore, we have to wrestle with God himself. So we see that God speaks through his Word. There is nothing outside of the 66 books of the Bible that we need. And we, we need no new revelation because there is no new revelation. We need not dreams. We don't need visions. We don't need anybody else getting a word of the Lord for us that is not tied to a scripture. So this woman should have walked into this room if this was done biblically and says, I want to tell you something from the word of God that I want you to hear and hope that you hear. That's how you speak to somebody when you have a word from God for them, or if God is laying something on your heart, it better be from the word because this is the only way that God speaks in these last days. So I just wanted to make that clear. And then she's going to tell her that if you just look up, he will pull you out of this. And let's just see what her response is here. I was so full of hate and anger that I said, F God. And even though that's what came out of my mouth, something supernatural broke inside. Yeah. And I just started weeping and 40 years or 38 years of pain that had been, you know, you know, stuffed inside yeah. just started coming out. And I just was weeping and just uncontrollably. Yeah. And sure enough, they, you know, I ended up back in the psych ward. They just upped my medication like they always did, whatever. And when I got out, um, I'll save some of the extra details because it's a long story. But through the supernatural chain of events, I ended up in faith-based recovery. Wow. And when I was very first in recovery, I didn't, of course, you don't know that you're believing lies until yeah. you identify them as lies because you believe yes. them. And one of the... 
I want to be very careful here and cautious. But Bethel and Jenna Winston have yet to recognize when they've been lied to as they still push false doctrine. They still push lies. And let me just say that something supernatural happened to her, and I think she may clarify that here in just a few minutes, but F God was the, res- was the response that she said when this lady comes in and tells her that God has been telling me for the past two hours to tell you if you would just love him and look up to him, he'll pull you out. Her response was F God. And as a result of saying F God, something supernatural happened inside of her. Uh, that, to me, is is just unreal. Could God have done something supernatural in her? Absolutely he could. He's God. He's sovereign. He can do whatever he wants to, whenever he wants to, and that is just his prerogative. But not normally do we see in Scripture... Anyone that says F God, get anything good from God. Do you know what I mean? That's that's one of those things that you probably don't say and get good things from the Father when you tell him pretty much to F off, get out of my face, I am not concerned about God. That is just simply Romans chapter 1 coming out. That is those that have suppressed the truth of God and have been given over to their sinful way of living. That is Romans chapter 3, that there is none that that are good, no, not one. There is none that look at God, none that love God, none that are righteous. Their throats are an open grave. That's essentially what that is. She's right on par with what the Bible teaches about an unbeliever, and it is hard for me to understand how God, in his providence, would give her anything good as a result of saying F God, especially with no mention of repentance, no mention of faith, no mention of any of those things. So let's go back and let's keep listening. She's now in a faith-based recovery, and uh, she has realized that she has listened to and heard some lies. So let's see what happens and what she says here. The biggest lies was I just, I think I saw Jesus as someone who was just going to gently come along and tell me all the things that I needed to work on to be good enough to go to heaven, right? And I ended up, um, not long after I got there, I ended up having um, this encounter. Well, no, I ended up having what I now know to be natural deliverance. Okay. So much Jesus was going in. And all of a sudden to me, it felt like I got connected to all of this rage and I started screaming and yelling and cussing and throwing stuff. And now I know it was actually the demons leaving. And after it was after that happened, I literally, I've never experienced anything like it. I was spiritually, mentally, emotionally, physically exhausted, like mm-hmm. nothing left in me. And I passed out on my bed. And that is when Jesus became real for me because Jesus walked in there and laid in that bed with me and started to play with my hair. And what'd she just say? Did you did you hear that? Let me let me rewind here. Let's let's make sure we heard that together. For me, because Jesus walked in there and laid in that bed with me and started to play with my hair and. No mention of repentance and faith. 
Jesus himself in Mark 1.15 says, repent and believe the gospel, the good news. No repentance and faith, just a lot of cussing, screaming, crying, acting out, acting crazy, that she says was the demons leaving her. And in that moment, Jesus became real to her. So uh, we're going to keep listening for a few minutes, but in this moment, Jesus is real to her because he came in her room laid in the bed next to her, and started playing with her hair. Now, ladies and gentlemen, let me, let me remind you that Jesus, after he was resurrected, stayed around just a, a few days later, a few days after he resurrected, walked around, met 500 people or so, saw him, and then he ascended back into heaven. There is no need for Jesus to come back to earth again until he comes back the second time to, to, to end this thing, gather his folks. They're coming home. New heaven, new earth will be established. All these things will take place. And right now, Jesus is seated at the right hand of God. He is not leaving his throne again to come get in bed with somebody, especially a female. Think through that. Jesus getting into bed with a female and playing with her hair. This is just ridiculous. This is absolute nonsense, and this is the testimony of an ordained pastor at a church in Bethel that many churches are using their songs, the Jesus culture songs, in their worship services. This could be, there, there are many biblically, doctrinally sound churches that teach the true word of God, but are still using songs that come out of Bethel. Think about the people that listen to these songs, they look them up, may find Bethel, go to their teaching, may run across this right here, because this is one of those things that if somebody comes across and they are a new believer or maybe weak in their faith, they may think, why hasn't Jesus come laid in my bed and play with my hair? Why, you know, I'm saved. I didn't, the preacher talks about all this repentance and faith stuff, but I've never really truly repented and had faith. I don't know what that is, but I do know that I changed one day. I, I threw some things, I said some cuss words, and all of a sudden Jesus became real to me. So I should be saved, right? No, wrong. You are not saved without repentance and faith, and there is no way that Jesus Christ himself is going to leave the throne again after he's already made purifications for sin, sat down at the right hand of God. He will not come back until it is time for the second coming. There is no way, shape, or form Jesus is going to manifest himself in a way that crawls into bed with somebody and starts playing with their hair. We have got to get real, and these people are believing this. I'm not sure about Miss Diane here on the left. If you're watching the one that is interviewing her, uh, she acts like she's like, ooh, I can't believe that's gone. That's really cool. I can't believe that's how she's acting. Surely she doesn't believe it, but if she has been duped into this kind of theology and this kind of theological thinking, then she probably, probably believes this hook, line, and sinker. But we have to be careful. We are sounding the alarm here on the Doctrine Matters podcast that this is unbiblical. And this woman has yet to tell us anything biblical of how she was saved. And if she can't tell us anything biblical of how she was saved, she is an unbeliever, unfit for any sort of ministry, let alone be a pastor, although she is going against the Word of God and female pastors. And you can fight with me again on that sometime. But she is not batting 100 right now. She's actually not doing very well for herself when it comes to the true word of God. Let's see what she says after Jesus crawls into bed with her, plays her head, plays with her hair. Now, this sounds like Beth Moore. If you remember Beth Moore, when she says that Jesus told her to go comb this woman's hair at a bus stop or wherever they were, this is 
this is awful troubling, and there are a lot of young people that love Bethel Church, and we have got to let our young people know that truth and doctrinally sound churches are need need to be where they are pointed. We can't we can't point them to this stuff anymore. We got to pull them out of it. It's just it's unreal. It's unbiblical, and I fear for the people that are caught in it. Many of them are probably not saved. Just to tell you the truth, because this is troubling to say the least. Let's see what she says. Instead of telling me all the things I needed to fix. He said, I am so sorry for all the things that happened to you that made you not want to feel. And if you trust me, I'm going to make every day of the rest of your life better than any day you've ever lived. And that's exactly. I'm sorry. Tell me again when Jesus has apologized to anybody. I'm sorry the things that you felt and the way you have felt. Jesus said that to her while playing with her hair. Give me a break, y'all. This is absurd. What? Why do run from Bethel, run from the music, run from Jesus culture? You can be mad at me all you want, but it is not going to do you any good to stay caught up in people that promote false teaching like this. This is unreal. Jesus apologized to this woman. Can you believe that? Unreal. Let's continue just for a minute. I, I, before I just lose it. Exactly what he's done. And what I didn't realize is that, uh, well, as, as after this encounter and Jesus seriously, supernaturally just brought everything into realignment, I didn't know what a seer was. I didn't know any of that existed. All I know is that within a couple of weeks, I would sit there, you know, here I am in recovery, 30 chicks coming out of drugs and prostitution and I could see demons like I see demons with the naked eye, like they're as real to me as you are. And I could hear what they were saying and I, I knew their assignments. And so I was like, I, I was never afraid. So I thought everybody did this. I thought this was normal and I was trying to figure it out. And so. She can see demons and know their assignments. troubling then i you know so then uh i i ended up telling someone and they prayed with me and they said that they could tell the i didn't even know the word discernment i had no understanding for this stuff i'm not sure she still knows the word discernment and i hate to sound like that but this sounds very troubling this is there's yet to be repentance and faith still and uh, this is about probably 13 12, 13 minutes into her testimony. We haven't heard all that, but we are three to four minutes in her testimony and not one talk of repentance and faith and salvation. Just a lot of me, 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 Jesus apologizing to her, playing with her hair, and demons being released. Now she can see demons and see their assignments. Somebody please find me in the Bible where somebody, a common person that... <laughs> I don't I don't understand how how her conscience must be seared if they can't understand this. If you can see demons, please let me know. Leave me a comment. Doctor Matters Podcast at gmail.com. Send me an email. Let me know if you can see demons. I'm truly interested if you can do that. I, I am. I seriously am. I'd like to have a conversation with you if you can. I would like to have a conversation with you and maybe even have a 
uh, an interview maybe or, or or just kind of have a back and forth here on on this channel if that is something that you're interested in. If you can see demons, let me know. If you agree with this woman's position, let me know. If you think she's okay, if you think she is saved, I'd love to hear from you. I'd love to have that conversation. Let's see what else she has to say. But because the way my gifts exploded, um, now, instead of getting a program and learning how to be clean off of drugs, I was being asked to pray all the time. Like I touch people, demons leave. I touch people, they get healed. And then it turned into a scary thing. Like I would get stalked in bathrooms. I remember one time somebody standing outside the bathroom. Do you see the spirit of affliction on me? Like oh it went crazy. And then my identity became this crazy gift. I became the crazy girl that saw stuff and every, you know, it's a scary thing when people approach you because they believe. Do you remember if you listened to the last episode where we talked about Kenneth Copeland, many people were flocking to him to be touched by him and healed potentially. And now she's got the gift of healing. She's got the gift of seeing these spirits. She's got all of these gifts and people are flocking to her. Do you see the evil affliction on me? Do you see all this? And it's scary. Really, let me just tell you something. The gifts that God gives us, the spiritual gifts, they're not meant to be scary. If they're scary, something's wrong. Now, we can be, um, we can be. what's the word I'm looking for? We can be, like, for instance, discernment. One of the things that I believe exists is the, is the gift of discernment. And I believe sometimes that could be one of those things that is a blessing. And sometimes it's like, man, you discern some things that you really wished you wouldn't have discerned. But it's still a blessing. It's still a gift of God. And it's not scary. Any spiritual gift should not be scary. However, I mentioned that on our last broadcast that I believe that all of the sign gifts have ceased for today. I don't believe any one person or anybody here on earth possesses the gift of healing that can just touch people and heal them. I don't believe that we have the gift of prophecy. There is no new revelation. There is no need for new revelation. I believe that speaking in tongues is one of those things that has ceased. That was a language that everyone heard the gospel in their own language. Now, can God do things and people hear in their own language the gospel or hear something like that in their own language? Yes, I do believe that. But the way that tongues are used here today and in other parts of the country, I don't believe they are biblical, and I believe those tongues have ceased, so to speak. And so here we are. She's got these gifts. They're scary, and she can do all these things and heal people. And I'd like to know how many people she's healed in children's hospitals, regular hospitals, and people she's gone to instead of people coming to her and giving any type of money, sowing seeds, any type of thing like that. I'd love to hear Miss Winston tell me that, but I'm sure she will not will not oblige to let us know that those answers. I, you know, I might see if I can't reach out to her and ask her that question. I'll keep you updated on how that goes. I'm not sure if she'll respond, but a simple email sometimes goes a long way. That you're the only person that holds the key to their freedom, you know? Yes. So there was. She just said that you're the only person that holds the key to their freedom, meaning her herself holds the key to her freedom. Now, I'm teaching through the book of Luke, and in the book of Luke, Jesus is the one that sets the captives free. Jesus is the one that sets people free, not man. John the Baptist didn't set people free. John the Baptist came to declare repentance, repentance, repentance. He made the way. He was a forerunner before God, before Jesus came on the scene. 
John could not heal people. John could not save people. It was only Jesus that could set the captives free and open blind eyes and open deaf ears. We have to read the Bible. Yes, the apostles had the gift of healing, but that was given to them by Christ himself while Jesus was still on this earth. When the early church began, I believe those gifts went away. We have to be very careful of how we interpret the word, and we have to know that this woman does not possess the freedom or does not possess the gift of giving people freedom, as she has just said. This is very troubling, y'all. I hope you're tracking. I hope you're, hope you're hearing this and understanding it from a biblical perspective that it's wrong. There's a lot of figuring that out. I graduated recovery, um, and then the Lord called me to... This is before she even graduated recovery. If you've ever seen any of these recovery things, it takes a while, and it takes some time. She's got all of these gifts, and she's just going off healing people, setting people free, doing the things that Jesus said he does, and that the apostles would do that ceased with the apostles. And now she is here, and in, in, in whatever year she was saved or in recovery... I'm not real sure, but uh, in in the 20, 21st century, she's able to do what Jesus did. It's astounding, the people, the claims that they make. It's just absolutely absurd. We have to open Bibles. We have to educate. We have to sound the alarm. Hope you're listening. Hope you share this with somebody. Bethel School of Supernatural Ministry, and I had never heard of it. I didn't know who any of these people were. It's a cult. Check it out. You can Google Cultish. It's a podcast. They've had people from that school of supernatural. It's a cult. It's not biblical. But I heard the term supernatural ministry and I was like, oh, a whole bunch of me's. I'm going to learn about me, right? No, yeah. I found out I was a freak of nature even at Bethel. <laughs> I didn't even know. So, um, that first year, though, like whenever I go back and speak at Bethel, one of my favorite things to say is I went to ministry school to learn how to not minister. And that is truth, because now my identity had become my giftings and what I could do in the spirit. But I did not know I was a daughter. Yeah. I what about our identity is in Christ, not in your gifting? Our identity as believers is in Christ, but she has not given any evidence that she has repented of sins and believed on the Lord Jesus Christ. She has given no evidence that she is a believer, so therefore she would not find her identity in Christ. She would still find it in herself, which she has done here. I just knew how to work for Jesus and be a robot mm -hmm. in ministry. And so having an amazing revival group pastor that could see that and had me lay that down and let the Lord strip me to restore to me this identity that he had for me of who I was always meant to be. Well, then my second year revival pastor, who's still one of my best friends to this day, um, then bringing it all together. And she's like, it doesn't have to be one or the other. It's okay that you're a grandma who is a sneaker head, who loves to rap, who slays <laughs> demons, who talks to angels and laughs really loud. And it's okay to be all those things at the same time. A grandma, sneaker grandma, that slays demons, talks to angels, likes to rap. You can be all these things all the time. This is her identity, folks. 
A grandma that loves sneakers, likes to rap, slays demons, and talks to angels. What about humbly and obediently submitting to Christ and walking in holiness, seeking to give God glory in all things? Everything that she has said here has brought her glory, and this is not biblical. It's troubling, and I don't know how she can continue to tell this story and feel okay about it. I just can't understand that. I do not understand. But I can tell you I do understand a bit, and this is why. She's not a Christian. According to her testimony, she is not a Christian. You may say, you can't judge. Well, I can judge the fruit or lack thereof. I can make a righteous judgment on whether or not somebody is living in sin and acting as a believer or not. And this woman in her testimony has given us no reason to believe that she is a true converted believer. There has been no mention of repentance still, no mention of faith. Apparently, in her mind, she's already a Christian, and her identity is wrapped up in herself and not Christ. If you notice... When Jesus came, laid in the bed with her, and played with her hair, that was it. He pretty much set her on the course that she would be, gave her the path of life that she would be on, and that would be it for the rest of her life, so to speak. And her identity is wrapped up in herself, and she can say this because I believe her conscience is seared. She suppressed the truth. She is a Romans 1 person right here in front of our face who has suppressed the truth, conscience seared, living her own life, her own way which is very sad. It is very troubling, by the way. Uh, let's just listen to another minute or two of this, and then I'll wind it down. I think I've about heard enough, and I'm sure you have too. And uh, when this is over, we'll preach the gospel and we'll be done. So it was like God hit all these different areas because I did have so much arrested development, you know? Yeah. And um, But then um, I did first year at Bethel second year. And then usually you do an internship after that, but I ended up going on staff and became, well, I think I'm their only prophetic deliverance pastor. I'm still ordained under them. And, um, and Donna De Silver, she's like, she's like, we haven't hired anybody in eight years, but we're going to hire you because God says he's going to launch your ministry from here. Well, then I was there for a couple of years and then God moved me to Los Angeles. And I now, now I live in Beverly Hills. Cause who says that? <laughs> and, you know, council celebrities. And like, I guarantee you that when I was sitting on the edge of that bed in recovery, I was so excited. I got to keep my food stamps and could have regular top ramen. I wasn't thinking I'm going to go change the world, you know, but I do remember that that first day I did, I sat that very first day in recovery because I had smuggled in all of my psych meds. I was afraid to not have them. And I yeah. said to the Lord then, okay, God, I am done picking and choosing what parts of me you can have. It's all or nothing. And if I'm going to trust you, it's going to be even in this. And so I haven't been on anything for a decade. You know, it, it, this August 25th will be 10 years since my uh, suicide attempt. Wow. And so... Yeah, so, so there's just the quick... down, Jenna. Did you huh? just say I'm not take because yeah. say people wean off of things and whatnot where you were right. just like, no, yes. I'm it ended up God be, in this. Right. Um, first of all, those of you that are listening, do not just stop taking your medication. Do not do that. This was my moment. Yeah. And it's different when you 
know that God is behind you asking you to do this. But I, I just stopped and I had been. I'm going to stop here. God asked her to get off her medicine, uh, get off her drugs, get off all those things. She is a glory hog, (laughs) so to speak. She wants all the glory. God told her personally to do something. She did it. Jesus personally came and laid in the bed with her, played with her hair, delivered her, set her on the course of her life to find her identity wrapped up in her sneakers, her rapping skills, the ability to see demons, see their activity, release demons, be a prophetic voice, and talk to angels. So that is who who Jesus is to her. There was never any remorse of sin, repentance of sin, and a turning from sin, although we are glad that she is drug-free, and it's been 10 years almost now since she's attempted suicide or wanted to attempt suicide. We are thankful for that and thankful that she is sober. However, as of right now, folks, it just seems like she is a sober unbeliever teaching unbiblical things. If you believe this, and you believe this woman is saved, let me just read this to you, Romans 10, 9 and 10. If you confess with your mouth Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart a person believes, resulting in righteousness, and with the mouth he confesses, resulting in salvation. We have to repent of our sins. We have to acknowledge those sins, confess those sins, and turn from those sins, and believe that Jesus Christ came, died, rose again, seated at the right hand of God, and he's coming back one day to judge the living and the dead. We have to believe those things, and the Bible says we will be saved. As a matter of fact, verse 13 of Romans 10 says, for whoever will call on the name of the Lord will be or shall be saved. This woman did not call on the name of the Lord. The Lord called on her name and pushed her to quit doing medication, quit doing all of her drugs, and uh, gave her these gifts of prophetic voice and uh, seeing demons and activity and rap abilities and all of these things. This is far cry from what the Bible teaches us when we're when we we are saved or how to be saved. Everything that she has said has flown in the face of the Bible. And if we believe the Bible to be true, we have to believe what this woman has said is false. We just have to believe that. I pray that you are not caught up in this. I pray that you don't believe this. I pray that you don't find yourself in this situation following this church, following this teaching, following even this singing, this, this these singing groups, these quote-unquote worship groups. I don't understand how they can sing and teach false doctrine and false theology and all of these things at these churches, and people flock to them. And I can tell you why. It's sensationalism. It makes them feel good. It makes them feel um, makes them encouraged. It it's just sensationalism at its best. Sometimes those that are not true believers or they don't follow Christ like they should, they may say that doctrine is boring, that theology is boring, that reading the Bible is boring. But when God has changed you, He gives you new desires, and it is not boring. So I pray that you would repent of your sins and believe on the Lord Jesus Christ if you haven't already. And those that have, and you're dabbling in the Bethel teaching, I pray that you would leave it immediately. 
because this type of stuff is not biblical. Kenneth Copeland is not bib- biblical. Jenna Winston has not been biblical in any of the 10 minutes we've listened to her testimony. None of it has been biblical. We're thankful that she's sober, but that's about it. That's all we can say is she's sober. So I want you to think about this. Read the Bible. Line everything up that you hear with the Word of God, not with your sensational moments, not with your emotions, not with your thoughts, not with your feel-good moments, but what does the Word of God say? And everything that she said flies in the face of the Word of God and is simply not true. And I know that some of you listening or watching may disagree with me, and that's okay. We can agree to disagree on things, but I would challenge you to read the Word of God and find where what she said is accurate. Please, I would love for somebody to show me that. Push back. I'm okay with pushback. I'm not going to get argumentative with you. I'm not going to yell at you. I'm not going to be frustrated with it. We can sharpen one another the best we can. So if you find where she is biblical in the Bible, please let me know. I'd love to see it. I'd love to have a conversation. So if you would, leave some comments. YouTube, leave uh, comments on Facebook. Send me an email, doctrinematterspodcast at gmail.com. All together, lower space, lower space, lower case, no space is what I meant to say. Doctrine Matters Podcast, all lowercase, no spaces, at gmail.com. Send me an email. I'd love to hear from you. I'd love to hear if you agree with her testimony and say it's biblical. And I'd love to hear your thoughts if you disagree with her and say it's unbiblical. And if you're in the Bethel movement and in the, the whole Bethel craze right now, please think about leaving it. If your church is singing biblical songs, great. If they're not and they're singing Bethel music and Jesus culture songs, have a conversation with your leadership and ask them why they're doing that and then point out some of the false things that are happening. You can start with this, and then we'll, we'll talk about some things in the, in the weeks and months to come about Bethel and why it is unbiblical and the things that they teach are false and do not line up with the Word of God. And you can just go through and show them all those reasons why you think they shouldn't be singing Bethel music or Jesus culture in your church, but do it lovingly, biblically, and humbly. So thank you for listening to this episode. We listened to some crazy things together. Uh, We're sounding the alarm here. And um, again, questions, comments, concerns, Podcast at gmail.com. Leave a comment on the YouTube, leave a comment on the Facebook link, and until next time, which may be we talk about Jesse Duplantis uh, or whatever else comes up. If something else crazy comes up like this, we'll talk about it because it's worth talking about as we line everything up with the Word of God that we're hearing in the name of God. And I don't want to steal from Chris Roseboro and fighting for the faith there, but uh, I believe it's super important that every platform make known the Word of God and call out what's false that is being said in the name of God. And that's what we're going to do over the next several weeks and months is we're going to sound the alarm. And uh, I hope you pull out of these things and leave them, turn your back on them, and stick to biblical content, biblical teaching, biblical music, all of these things. So if you have any questions or maybe any need any help of how to come out of some of this stuff, let me know. Reach out to me. I'd love to hear from you. So until next time, thank you again for listening. And... God bless.